Glad to be in the house of God today, are you? Thankful for this hot weather? I've already been blamed for bringing it from Texas to here, but thank the Lord for good air conditioning. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Is your expectation rising each week? Are you believing for miracles? Is God blessing? Has God answered prayer lately? Has he? Yeah, we want to hear your story. We want to hear what God's doing. So just before I get into the message today, uh, we want to share a little bit about uh, the pastoral transition that we're in. And uh, uh, as I mentioned before, but I mentioned again because some maybe weren't here and maybe didn't hear clearly, I'm part of a new ministry that Sims of God has launched uh, with the help of Dr. Ron McManus, the founder and the president of Legacy Transition Group, uh, and our general superintendent, Doug Clay, and the executive presbytery in Springfield of the Assemblies of God has, has asked for this new ministry to be started because there are so many churches like your church uh, going through a transition. And so Dr. McManus has written a book. He's, he's led 20 different churches through this process. Uh, he's got a process that has proven out to be something that God is using. But what I like about it more than just the process, you need a process. We need our part, right? But it's bathed in prayer and it's spirit-led all the way through because we know that the Holy Spirit knows who your new senior pastor is, where he's at, or he or she, their family, getting them ready, okay, getting us ready. Now, how many know God could just drop your new pastor down in a helicopter today and just walk in and the glory of God would be around him? And, but, but God uses people, right? And so he wants to grow our faith. He wants to teach us. He wants to work in our lives. And so I want them to share on the screen a seven-step process that is what we're going through. You might want to take your camera and take a picture of that if you want to, want to keep that uh, to refer to. Uh, step one, create a candidate profile. Now, several candidates can, can meet that, this qualification, but only one will the Holy Spirit lead us to, right? But this allows us to eliminate people that maybe wouldn't fit here, that wouldn't be uh, qualified you know, for, this, for this church. So your, your board, and I'm so proud of your board, the six men and one lady that's involved uh, on your board truly are men and women that are spirit-led, they're, they're praying, they, they feel the heavy responsibility, and, and they spent considerable time looking at what are those non-negotiable qualities that, that need to be found, you know, in a new senior pastor. And so they've got a list of things that, they're, that they'll be referring to throughout uh, this process. Step two, we're just now getting into step two where we're receiving recommendations of candidates. And so we may have as many as 12, 15 or more. We're not sure how many candidates we will have. Uh, some of them may have shown interest, sent a resume, but, but several of them will, will not even know we're looking at them uh, because some of the best candidates don't send a resume. We have to go find them. Uh, and so, so we'll, we'll have a list. Then, then as we get that list complete, we'll be moving into step three. And some of these overlap a little bit, but that's when your board members will be listening to their sermons because all of these candidates will be people of experience that will have sermons online that we can go and listen to. So they will be listening to more sermons in the next, next little while than they've ever listened to in all their life. Okay. Your board is going to have revival. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So, so, I mean, they may be listening to 40, 50 sermons. Uh, but not just that, watching, not just listening, watching the video, watching the entirety of the service and learning and looking back at the, the candidate profile of these list of non-negotiables and listening and watching for those, for those particular uh, things that they've already written down. Uh, then we get to step four, and that's when we need to narrow the list down. 
So by watching and listening to all these sermons, they'll be scratching people off that they don't feel like, you know, fit for one reason or another. So we'll get to four to six, something like that. And then they'll make site visits. And this is when they'll go out and we'll give them a list of things to look for and two, and two, or, two or three will go out to their churches unannounced like a secret shopper slide in, you know, and observe uh, all of these things that, and what, what we do with what I'll be doing and Ron McManus will be coming in in October, you'll hear him preach first Sunday of October and, and meet him, uh, is, is that we're, we're coaches. We coach, consult, and help uh, through the process. Uh, but your board ultimately will be the ones that will make, make the decision. So, so they'll go to these side visits. So this will probably be possibly three uh, that they will try to narrow that list from four to six down to three after they make the site visits and come back and share notes and look at that. Then they'll be doing the personal interviews. I say around three. It could be two. It could be three. It could be four, but we say three. So, so trying to get it narrowed down. They'll do the personal interviews, and then uh, when they've done that, there will be about a week of prayer. They'll be on their face. We'll gather together, and from that list, they'll, they'll vote secret ballot, okay? And, and we get, when we get a unanimous vote, then we will feel confident that we've got the one candidate that we will present uh, to you as a recommendation. This process is very thorough. The question's been asked many times, will be asked again, how long does it take? We don't know. Okay? You can see it's not going to happen in the next few days or weeks. This is a very thorough process. It takes some time, takes some prayer. Uh, but at any moment, God can speed up or slow down the process. So we just want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Will you pray for your board? And though you may not think much is going on, there's a lot going on. I, I not only come in on Saturday to to preach to you on Sunday morning, and what a joy. You are so fun to preach to. I'm ready to preach here in just a second. And, and uh, I meet with the board uh, twice a month on the first and third Thursday, first and third Sunday night. Get my days of the week correct. First and third Sunday night when you're not doing home groups. And uh, then I meet with the staff every Monday morning, and then I go home on, on, on Monday afternoon. So, so uh, this is kind of our process, and there'll be some overlapping, and, and, uh, but we believe the Holy Spirit has someone selected, picked out, preparing. Can you say amen? amen? And right now, it's our job to get ready. Now, the best way we can get ready is just like Jesus said when looking forward to his soon return. We're not going to sit back and just twiddle our thumbs and tread water. No, we're going to do business for the king, right? And so we're, we're going to expect and believe uh, that the church is going to grow in every dimension, numerically, financially, spiritually. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving your tithes and offerings. Let's see what God will do. How many know this is the Lord's church, and he said he would build his church? But we get to be a part of it. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? So let's pray right now. Father, we pray for this process. We pray for our board members. We pray, Lord, that you would give us faith and patience to move together in unity and in your timing. Lord, as we go through this process, we expect you to lead every step of the way, every decision, so that, Lord, in your perfect timing, Lord, you will bring the new senior pastor to Carbondale Assembly of God. And, Lord, it will be a fit. It will be ordained of you. It will be anointed by you. And, Lord, we'll see in this time, Lord, of this process and transition, we'll see the church continue to grow and be blessed in every way. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? I love to hear you read the Bible out loud. There's something powerful about the spoken Word of God. Amen? So are you ready to use your loud voice? Hello? Okay, here we go. Ready? That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, 
and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Hallelujah. You may be seated. Take notes and follow along. How many just really enjoy going into a doctor's office and sitting in the waiting room and waiting and waiting and waiting? I see some of you just, that's one of your most fun things to do, right? None of us are very good at waiting, are we? Have you ever been in God's waiting room? When, God? How? Why am I going through this? What's going on? Where are you going to lead? What's the next step? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's things are beyond your control. You're waiting on God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he's doing. If you could understand everything God was doing, you'd be God, right? Or your God wouldn't be very big. You know, it takes faith because God's bigger than we are. And, and we look to him. And so, so how do you keep believing God? I've entitled this message, Keep on Hoping, because the devil wants to back you in a quarter, discourage you, get you looking at the circumstances, get you tired, impatient, and suggest to you there's no hope. You just will quit and throw in the towel. Carbondale, if you quit, the devil wins. Don't quit now. I've come too far now to quit, right? I've watched people over the years sometimes quit right before their miracle. I mean, they're that close to their miracle and they quit. Don't quit now. Don't quit serving. Don't quit giving. Don't quit praying. Don't quit attending. Don't quit hoping. Don't quit expecting because God's up to something good. Everybody say amen. amen. Oh, I love the way you say amen. Hallelujah. That fires me up. But see, Abraham started out with this walk of faith and God gave him a big dream and he, he was 75 years old when he got this dream you're never too old to quit dreaming right I mean 75 years old and God's given him this incredible dream and all God's saying is you just need to follow me leave your home and go and Abraham says where are we going and God said just follow me I'll show you that takes some faith doesn't it but he had the dream and he steps out but then there's the the delay that comes in, the waiting time. The, there's always that gap of time from when God first speaks into the fulfillment because God wants to grow you. He wants to prepare you. He wants to build you up. So 11 years goes by, and we get to Genesis chapter 16, and, and Abraham's now 86 years old at this time, and what's been happening in these 11 years? Nothing. God's... God hadn't said a word. And Abraham's just waiting, just waiting, just waiting on God. And then he hits difficulty. So not only delay, you know, the delay your faith, that's a tough, that's a tough test, isn't it? But I'm here to tell you God's delays are not denials. God will come through, amen? But before it gets, gets better, sometimes it gets worse, huh? Difficulty sets in, you know? Abraham's waiting now, he encounters problems. You know, it goes from, from bad to worse, really bad to impossible. Now he's 99 and his wife is 89. And he says, how can a son be born to a man my age? And so God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many nations. And eventually God fulfills the dream when he's 100 years old and his wife is 90. This is 25 years after he first gets the promise, the dream. And so, so they have this miracle baby. They name him Isaac, which means laughter because Sarah laughed first at the thought of it. 
Now, Sarah didn't believe God or she wouldn't have been laughing at that age. She'd have been crying. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, and Abraham laughs. God had the last laugh, and that got a miracle boy named Laughter. I just love God's sense of humor, don't you? If we'll just hold on, but, it, but we go from delay to difficulty. Then, then many times we hit a dead end. Ever hit a dead end? You know, and your dream seems to die. Now Isaac's 25 years old. He's, they got one child. It's been 50 years since God first spoke. And now God says, offer your son on the altar. Give him back to me. And it's like, God, I thought you were going to give me a big family, a lot of kids. I thought you were going to build a great nation. I thought you were going to do all these great things. 50 years. And everything seems dead. Everything seems dead. Yeah, there may be some things in your life that seem dead. And you're wondering, is there ever going to be any life there? Is there ever, is there ever going to make any difference? Or am I going to see the miracle power of God, you know, work there? You may feel like your marriage is dead or your career, your health, or, or many other things. Well, congratulations, God's getting you ready for a miracle. And the message today is simply this, and God has quickened this to my heart for you today, and that is don't give up. Keep on hoping God is still working. He's still on the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. He's still on the throne. There's a great story in football, and some of you football fans, the juices, I know you're getting excited because the season is here, and, and we're ready to watch a little football. And, and uh, this happened in 1929, one of the most memorable things, games, and plays in the history of of college football, 1929 Rose Bowl between Georgia Tech and University of California, Berkeley on January 1, 1929. And of course, it was on radio, nationwide radio. Everybody's glued to the set. This is for the national championship. Georgia Tech is undefeated. University of California, Berkeley, uh, they, they've lost one and they've tied one, but this is for the national championship. It's the second, second quarter, and it's the, no, nobody scored, zero to zero. And University of California had a, had a defensive player that was like a middle linebacker roving all over the place, and he was just a wild man. He was, had an incredible season, uh, captain on the team, and, and so, so Georgia Tech's on like the 31-yard like the line, and they fumble the ball. He grabs it. He sees he's only 30 yards from a touchdown for his team. He grabs it to run. He gets shoved one way, hit another way. He pivots to get out of that tackle, and he loses his sense of direction, and he starts going the wrong direction. 70 yards. He's running as fast as he can run. The whole place is going crazy, jumping him down. He thinks they're all, they're all yelling for him. You know, and they're all yelling wrong way, and he can't hear that. All he can hear is the noise. Well, the quarterback on his team was the fastest guy on the team. So he runs and chases him down. By, by the 10-yard line, he's got him, ready to grab him, and, and his name is Roy Regal. Roy says, no, this is my touchdown. Get away, you know. And he gets to the 3-yard line, and the quarterback tackles him at the 3. He lands on the 1-yard line. He turns around, realizes what he'd done, only to see all the Georgia Tech players coming, and they all fall on top of him. They got the ball at the one-yard line. And so, so University of California, Berkeley, they decided, well, we just want to punt this thing. So they go to punt it. Punt gets blocked, and they get a safety out of it. It's two to nothing, Georgia Tech, as a result of Roy Regal's wrong way run. And he was labeled from that day forward for the rest of his life as Roy Wrongway Regal. At halftime, can you imagine how this guy feels? The coach heard he's not going back out. He goes over to him and says, Roy, he said, Pat, he said, Coach, I can't, go I can't go back out. I've ruined you. I've ruined myself. I've ruined the reputation of this university. I can't face the crowd. There's no way I can do it. No way I can do it. And his coach said something that I want to leave you with. He said, Roy, the game's only half over. The game is only half over. The devil wants to make you think the game's over. You're all done. Throw in the towel. Quit. 
God's not going to hear your prayers. God's not going to do your miracle. God's not going to provide for you. He's not going to save your kids. He's not going to do this for you. The devil is a liar. The game's not over, church. Keep hope alive. The game's not over. Roy got up and went back in the second half and had the most incredible half of his career. Stellar performance. Blocked a punt. Did all these incredible things. But they still, they still lost by one point. Georgia Tech beat them 8-7. to seven. And he realized it haunted him the rest of his life that the two-point safety that he was responsible for caused him to lose the game. But he came back the next year, and he was an All-American, captain of his team, had a great senior year because he didn't quit. I'm telling you, don't quit. Keep your hope alive. The game is not over, right? So what do we do when we're waiting on God and nothing makes sense and nothing seems to be coming to pass? First thing you need to do is to focus on God's power. Number one in your outline, focus on God's power. I'm weak, but God is all-powerful. Hallelujah. He can do anything, and he simply wants us to keep on trusting. Romans 4, 17 says, Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead and who creates something out of nothing. Now, that's a good definition of a miracle, right? God creates something out of nothing, the way he created the universe and the world that we live in. You may think, well, there's something dead in my life. You may have a dead marriage, dead dreams, dead finances, dead whatever. But Jesus said, anything is possible if you have faith. What did Abraham put his faith in? Did he put his faith in himself? No. In his feelings? No. Did he put faith in faith? No. In positive thinking? No. You know, instead, when you come to a dead end, you need more than just positive thinking. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, when you get to a dead end, you need to remember what God can do and that God is all-powerful. So focus on God and his power, not on the impossibility of the situation. The second thing in your outline is rely on God's promises. Rely on God's promises. That's in verse 18, Romans 4, 18. Even when there was no reason for hope. Now, this is the verse that was so quickened to my soul like never before. Don't you love how the Scripture just jumps off the page? At, you know, and, and Wednesday as I was studying this, this is the key that the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize. I know this is for many of you today. Even when there's no reason to hope, you're at that point where there's no reason to keep on hoping. Abraham kept on hoping when there was no reason to hope. He kept on hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Faith is fueled by hope. We got to keep hope alive to keep faith alive, but faith that's based not on your feelings, it's based on the Word of God, the Word of God. Listen to this verse in the message translation. It says it so well in the message translation. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made the father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham, and God's word came to pass. Have you ever felt like hope inside of you was dying? You know when it's dying when you start using the word never. When you say, well, this is never going to happen. God's never going to answer that prayer. This is not going to happen. It's never going to, going to work out. You know, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have a baby. I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to get my miracle. Whatever it is, you start using the word never, the devil successfully backed you in a corner and he's got you at the point where you're ready to throw in the towel and quit, but don't do it. Don't do it. Keep on, keep on hoping. The Bible says that Abraham relied on God's word. Nothing is more reliable than the word of God. Abraham relied on God's word. Hebrews 11:17. while God was testing him, Abraham still trusted in God and in his promises, so he offered his son Isaac. Now, in Genesis tells us the full story here. This is the supreme test of his faith. Fifty years have gone by, 
Isaac's 25 years old. He's got the one child, and God says, offer him on, this, on, on the altar. Now, that makes no earthly sense whatsoever, does it? No sense whatsoever. But Abraham didn't try to understand it. He just obeyed. He just stepped out by faith. So he got the wood and the fire, and he got his son, and, and t- took a couple other uh, young men with him, and they, they get to the mountain. And so just before they ascend up on the mountain to, to the altar, he looks at these couple of young men, and he says a statement of faith that is powerful because you understand he didn't know what was going to happen for sure. He looked at them, and he said, we, in other words, talking about my son and myself, we will come back. We will come back. He fully believed that if God was going to let him go through with killing his son on the altar, that God was going to raise him from the dead. So they're going up the mountain. And here's the beautiful part, because halfway up the mountain, what Abraham and Isaac couldn't see God had a ram on the other side of the mountain that was going to meet them at the top. God sees things you can't see. And he's always got the provision that will be there when you need it. And Isaac looks at his dad. He says, Dad, he said, I see the fire. I see you got the wood. Where's the lamb? And Abraham didn't understand. He didn't know. It's simply walking by faith. And he said, son, he said, God will provide. God will provide. They get to the top, strap him on the altar. He comes up with the knife. You know the story. God says, no, don't lay a hand. Look over there. And he sees the ram caught in the thicket. He goes and gets it and becomes a substitute for Isaac, which is an incredible Old Testament prophetic vision Uh, illustration of Jesus taking our place on the cross but the faith that Abraham had when everything seemed dead he had hit delays he'd hit difficulties and now the the dead end the dead end of this situation and and now now he's he's relying totally on the promises of God hallelujah hallelujah and so the third thing here in the outline is that is to face Face the problems in faith. Face the problems in faith. God specializes in turning dead situations around and resurrecting situations that look hopeless when we rely on the promises of God, right? Romans 4, verse 19, without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he didn't waver in unbelief. Through faith, Abraham regarded the facts. He said, I see the facts. I know what the doctor said. The doctor said that, sir, you can't have a child, and I can't produce a child with you. We need a double miracle. This is a medical impossibility. But we're going to keep trusting God anyway. That's the fact, but we're going to keep trusting God. We know what God said. And he recognized he and his wife were beyond childbearing years. Faith is facing the problems and the facts in your life without being discouraged by them. Maybe things have not turned out as you planned. What you dreamed for hasn't come to pass. You didn't didn't need to have a, a pity party. You don't need to have a pity party. You may need some legitimate grieving, okay? It didn't turn out. You're disappointed. But you believe that God knows best, and you say, yes, it didn't turn out the way I planned but I believe God's plan is best. God's plan, have you lived long enough to see God's plan's always best and you're glad that you waited for his plan, you didn't, you didn't try to initiate your own plan? You know, so, so, so we gotta face, we gotta face the problems of life with faith. And that leads us to the last point, number four, and that is to trust in God's plan. Trust in God's plan verses 20 and 21 he never doubted that God would keep his promise and he never stopped believing he grew stronger in his faith and gave praise to God Abraham was fully persuaded say fully persuaded he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised he would do now that's real faith it's important to thank God but when you thank God for what he's already done that's gratitude let me know that's very important 
We've got to be continually thank God for all that he's done and have gratitude. But when you thank God in advance for what he's yet to do and what he's going to do, let me know that takes faith. And it's not that you're telling God how to do it. You're just convinced. You're fully persuaded. You've got faith alive in you. You're hoping in Jesus. You're saying, God, I know that you're all-powerful. I know your word is true. I know you've got a miracle for me. I don't know how. I don't know when, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm going to keep on hoping, keep on believing, keep on praising because I know that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever think or ask according to the power of God that works in me. Hallelujah. How many are saved today? Then you're a temple of the Holy Spirit and the power of God lives inside of you and you just need to praise him, hallelujah, that he is able to do what you can't do. Your miracle's on the way. I believe it with all my heart. Your miracle is on the way. So look at Abraham, how many different ways his faith was tested. When you have the where question, the when question, the how question, the why question, and he never gave up. He never quit. He kept on hoping. Because when God first spoke to Abraham, what did he do? He said, leave your home and go. And Abraham said, where are we going? He said, just go. I'm going to show you. I mean, like to start out on vacation like that. Where are we going? I don't know. God's going to show us. You know? And God did. So if you ought to follow God's leading, even when you don't know where you're going. you got to wait for God's timing without knowing when. You've got to expect a miracle without knowing how. And you need to keep on trusting God's plan without knowing why. Because it's easy to ask the why question when things don't happen the way you think they should have happened. It's okay to ask the why question, but you don't always get an answer. You just got to keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on expecting. Because as Abraham believed, God is a God of the resurrection. This story in Genesis not only was, was looking forward to the death of Christ on the cross, but also to his resurrection. Because Abraham, and where did he get that? From the Spirit. He had a faith in the resurrection power of God. He said, if God takes my son, I believe he's going to raise him from the dead. He had total faith in the resurrection power of God. That's the kind of faith God wants to give you. So don't quit now. Whatever's dead in your life, God says, I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to raise it up. How many believe that? There's resurrection power that will raise it up. So let me conclude this by giving you uh, some things that God wants to raise us from and raise us to. Let's look at the ABCs. Can we do that? Here's the ABC, starting with the letter A. God wants to, you to rise up from your anxiety to his assurance, from your brokenness to his blessing from your condemnation to his confirmation, from depression to deliverance, from emptiness to empowerment, from fear to faith, guilt to grace, hopelessness to holiness, imperfection to intercession, judgment to joy. He wants, even though you're knocked down, he wants you to live kingly in Jesus Christ. Some of these letters I had to look for a good word. From lifelessness to liberty, from mediocrity to magnificence, from negativism to nobility, from oppression to optimism, from your problem to his promise. He doesn't want you to be a quitter. Q's a good one, isn't it? He doesn't want you to be a quitter. He wants you to be the quarterback on the winning team. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. From rejection to redemption, from selfishness to servanthood, okay, from tragedy to triumph, from unworthiness to unmerited favor and grace, from being a victim to being a victor, from worry to worship, from excuses to extraordinary living in Jesus, from a yawn to a yay, from zero-based living to zeal for your living God. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, stand with me right now. How many need a miracle in this place? How many would say hope is kind of drained out of me a little bit because of the 
anxiety and the worry and the fear and the attack of the enemy and my hope's a little low and that's affecting my faith and I'm wondering, God, are you really going to do it? But how many today say, I feel like hope's rising back up in me? I feel like faith and expectancy's rising up. I'm believing for that miracle. I've prayed for it for a long time. Some of you prayed for a long, long time. I watched my mother, and I didn't say this in first service. I feel prompted. Someone here in this service needs this. I watched my brother, mother pray for my dad to get saved for many, many years. And God finally answered that prayer. She waited a long time. I can remember going to church as a boy and mother saying, I'm praising God the day daddy's going to get saved. And I saw that happen because my mother never gave up. You, how many have unsaved family members in your family? Now's not the time to quit praying. Don't give up on them. Don't lose hope. God's going to save them. God's going to take care of your finances. He's going to heal your bodies. He's going to heal those relationships. He's going to do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. We're going to trust him for that miracle. So if you're here today and you need a miracle for yourself, you want to stand in for somebody, you, you need your faith to grow, you need your hope to be replenished, you're going to step out and say, God, fill me with hope and faith so that I won't ever quit until I see your, the miracle that you have for me and I'll give you praise for it. If that's you, why don't you start praising God as we sing this song. Come to the front, stand right here and we'll have a prayer before we leave today. Hallelujah. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are waymaker, miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is you. darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, healing every life. I worship I worship you, you are here, turning lives around, I worship you, I worship, oh, you are here, mending every heart, I
pray one for another before we leave. Amen, Father. Every hand raised is a hand raised in hope and faith. Lord, we're not going to quit. We're going to keep focusing on you and your power. We're going to keep relying, Lord, on your word. We're going to face every problem by faith. Hallelujah. We're going to believe God, Lord, that you have the best plan. And we're going to wait for it and trust you for it and praise you in advance. Lord, that the miracle is on the way, just in the right time, just in the right way. Lord, your hand is going to work. And so we're praying, Lord. We're praying for sick bodies to be healed. We're praying, Lord, for you to touch our finances and our jobs and our careers and our families and our relationships. We're praying and believing, Lord, Lord that you will bring in, Lord, our unsaved loved ones. decision to follow you and to serve you all the days of my life. I give you praise and glory. The miracles I need, I know they're on the way in your timing, and I'll keep praising you for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give God a good praise before we leave? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Have a great day and a great weekend.